I'm Rizlar. I'm Frosty. As nobody's really engaged quite yet. Yep, oh, there we have a bit of- Oh, is that a triple stun for the Mystic? And welcome back to the value pack. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the value pack first things first I probably sound really fucking weird. There's a couple reasons for that. First of all, uh, I am NOT at my house I am NOT recording at my house. I am currently recording from my cousin's house uh, in Louisiana So I am using his headset his microphone and it is going to sound probably quite a bit different than what uh, I normally sound like the second part of it is it is almost 11 p.m. at night uh, we are recording this quite late, and also I have been drinking since about 4 or 5 in the afternoon, so I am not very sober. So, that being said, we got a lot of things we got to talk about, and we have a very, very special guest, but you probably already know who it is if you can read titles. That being said, let's just jump right into the comments from the last video. Thank you everybody for leaving a comment. The first comment comes from Harryboy3000, who says, Discord notification squad, hashtag first, because YouTube notifications are broken. Uh, he spelled Jew as J-O-O, -O, by the way, so I don't think that's anti-Semitic. I think it's anti-Semitic. Oh, we've boy. banned him, for those wondering. <laughs> we've banned. We've already taken action. Wall Street, don't come after us. Wall Street Journal, calm down, it's okay. <laughs> Uh, Austin Lassiter says, how about this crystal addiction, versatile placement, this crystal will always break first upon death and will be the only crystal to break, allows red players to, or others to have one safeguard in death, it would have no stats and its only use is a crystal bind safety net, I would also allow this to be placed in, a cost in costume sockets, so PA makes fat money from the addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, that's actually my, not my, a bad my, idea. Yeah, I think it would only really work for red players, though, is the problem. And even then, like, if you think about when a red player PvPs, if they die once, are they going to leave? Like, that's basically saying, like, oh, they lost their crystal, now they're heads out. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The idea is cool. Maybe if it had, like, multiple lives or you can build it in, I, I don't know, something. But I mean, more options is better. That's what we said last time, right, Frosty? More options is better. That's uh,. True. Chris Klotz says about the fans, uh, parentheses, background noise comment from last time, all good. I was only noticing it after I listened to the podcast a few times, and it's really minor. Thanks for all the work, by the way. Have a good day, guys. By the way, sorry for my bad spelling. English is not my first language. Uh, well, you're in luck. There shouldn't be much background noise at all today. It should pretty much just be me because uh, my cousin actually has decent AC in his house, so there's not like 5 million fans blowing on me at the moment. And in the future, I'll make sure Reslar just suffers through the sweating and the pain. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, Broken Striker says, they own the castle till next week. What's up, Black Rose? What's up, baby? Uh, until more than next week, as you'll find out later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sphero posted another solid podcast. Keep me posted if you guys want me on. You never know, I might be a hot gamer girl kappa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, funny story, Rizzler, or, uh, Sphere actually hopped into Discord last night randomly when I was on there talking to people from the Versatile Guild, and, and he was just like, hey, 
Uh, just read that you, you know, hadn't heard my voice and yada, or heard you hadn't heard my voice. So I thought I'd come on and say hi and introduce myself. Uh, but yeah, cool dude. He seemed pretty cool. So, well, I mean, and he has a good quality mic. So maybe one day we'll have him on. Don't leave us hanging. Is he a hot gamer girl? I'd, I'd let him. <laughs> uh, Carbon zero zero ace one says double warrior podcast maybe we'll see still debating whether that's a good idea or not uh definitely want to have both of uh the guests that I've been talking to and Sphero on though because I think that they would both be very interesting to talk about I'm just not sure when we can do both of those because I don't want to put them too close together we have a lot of really interesting guests either lined up or that I'm in contact with that still aren't sure if they want to come on. Uh, obviously I'm not going to give out names, but we got some really interesting people with some really interesting things to say. Former um, President Barack Obama. Yeah, we're bringing in Obama, dude. Uh, Alex Martin says, just so you know, and you're guilty, uh, the marketplace doesn't permanently lose items. There's a script that runs every hour that restores lost items. It's due to desync between the game and the market servers. At least that's what I've read. I've not lost any items, so no direct experience. Yeah, I know it doesn't delete it permanently. You, uh, always get it back or whatever. Uh, funny story though, at, when I read this comment, when he first posted it, uh, whenever we posted the last episode, uh, I was like, actually, now that I think about it, I've never lost anything in the marketplace either. And then literally just like two days ago, I lost like 20 million silver or something in the marketplace. And I was like, oh fuck. And then it gave it back to me like the next day. I was like, oh, okay, not a problem. We're We're good. <laughs> Yeah, that's still scary and weird, though, that that's even a thing. Oh, it makes right? you panic. Dude, literally the first thing that went through my mind is like, am I crazy? Did I not just put this money in here? And then I like went back and checked, and I'm like, it it, it doesn't exist? I was like, what? <laughs> um, the Shepherd 112 says, what do you think about Archer being called OP in Node War? What is your experience against the class? Do you feel that Archer needs a nerf? Thanks again, guys. Uh, Archer is very strong in Node War. They're not as strong as Witch and Wizard, but they are definitely up there. Uh, Archer is also one of the, in my opinion anyway, he's one of the highest scaling classes in the game. Excuse me. Um, like once you get to those insane amounts of AP, like 269 to like 273, once you get to that amount of AP where like you're really starting to shred kids, Archer is just so cancer. Like, it's so frustrating. They have such long range. They have so many protections. They have a good amount of CCs. Like, they are not low on CCs at all, but they don't have a ton of them, I guess. But it's just, it's such a hard class to play against once they have enough AP to just, like, basically, like, three-shot you. Even if you have a block, they just burn it instantly once they have that ridiculous amount of AP. But I think they're getting nerfed, aren't they, Frosty? Uh, Nerfed in air quotes, yeah. I'm putting air quotes because um, they're still full bloom, which is the one everyone would recognize that spreads like the little five shot. Yeah. The shotgun kind of thing. Um, they're removing the knockdown from that. No which is funny that for a because, knockdown. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't think anyone really cares about the knockdown on that. The problem is the down with smash. that skill. Well, no, that skill specifically, that's the one that after they knock you down, they'll run up to you point blank and shoot you because it's five arrows. So if they're point blank and all five arrows hit you, they literally yeah. do five times the damage. So yeah. that part is the part that people don't like about full bloom, not really the knockdown. So but doesn't it also down smash or am I stupid? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll have I'm to pretty look. sure down smashes. Um, 
Either way, the damage on that thing is ridiculous. That's for sure. The damage is crazy. So my thing with with Archer is like its damage is insane. In one v ones, I think it's a very very difficult class to fight against if the Archer is good. And in Node War and Siege, I'm still torn. I'm not. I haven't made my decision. I know a lot of people are complaining about it because you see the arrows come out of nowhere in CCU. But one of the things about it is it does have split damage. And that's pretty significant in Node War and Siege, and it's very hard. Like, they have to isolate one or two people for their damage to be really effective in Node War and Siege. If they're just throwing damage in a pack, it's it's reduced a lot, especially if PA's up. But that haven't been said. I, I know a lot of people are having a hard time with it, so I'll have to keep an eye out. Sorry, was uh, drinking more. Uh <laughs> My cousin went on a cruise after his wedding, and he got some, like, rum from a bunch of, like, islands, and uh, he got some good shit. Um, the Shepherd112 drops another comment, says, for crystal concepts, what do you think about a crystal that raises the amount of mobs that you can aggro slash hit with skills? Would be a nice, would be nice to slot into Kudum, maybe. Yeah, I like that idea, except for, for Tamer, who can already aggro 16 mobs. I'm down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, more options is better. I, I, at the end of the day, every crystal that's going to be suggested to me, I'm just going to be like, yeah, sounds sounds good. Like, more options, let's do it. Like, bring it. Yeah. What about the crystal with plus 100 AP and plus 1,000 HP? I mean, sure. Just everybody's <laughs> going to get that, so it's whatever. Okay. Um, Infrax, hashtag MadGearFFM. That's literally his name. Uh, says, can confirm Sword Art Online griefing the shit out of Miramok. There was once a player from that guild who asked for a leecher spot. We were five already, so we had to reject him. Came back with a level 49 character and blew up the towers for over 30 minutes. Then we swapped, reported him as well, but I doubt that he will get any punishment besides a two-day ban, maybe. Great podcast. Thanks for delivering. Keep it up. Big fan. Dude, I have to say, until someone says otherwise, that's our first and only European listener. No, we've had European listeners before. There's no way. The time um, zone. The podcast doesn't line up with their time zone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw somebody say that they were from like somewhere in like the UK or something. Maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. I'm drunk. Uh, so Skyler C dropped three different comments and edited all three of them. And two of them are quite short. One of them is quite long. Uh, so Skylar C, uh, I appreciate you leaving a comment, but if you got like this many questions, brother, uh, join the Discord. Like, join the Discord, and we can talk it out in there, and like have a discussion in there. Because uh, this is like, you asked a lot of fucking questions. Uh, yeah. That being said, I'm a man of my word, and we're gonna fucking go through them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first question: How do you guys feel about pen attempts for dandy? Is it better to use crons from melting costumes from the marketplace, or use a backup dandy and keep getting the fail stacks? I'm at 117 fail stacks right now with a bunch of tet stacks and can't decide. LOL. May I? All right. Yeah, so, you're the guy with um, pins. I don't have a single um, fucking one. <laughs> on this one, and I feel strongly about this, and a lot of people disagree with me, but I would just use a backup until your stack goes somewhere above 150. And then start using cron stones if you have them available to you. But I I would use a backup until then. I think croning at 100 stacks or really low stack is kind of silly, but that's just. I would also say don't go for Pendani unless you already have 
full tech accessories minus tongue guides. Um, yep. Because, like, now that I, I, I'm still very much confused as to now that we can see their percentages on enchants and uh, pen at, like, 100 to 150 stacks is, like, a 3% chance. Meanwhile, TED accessories are, like, 30%. I'm confused why people are still going for pen when they have TED accessories to get. Like, that's a very, very strange decision to me. Um, you should always go for TED accessories, except for the earrings, of course, unless you want to get, like, TED narcs or something, which is understandable. But uh, never go for TED tungrads. That should be, like, the last thing you do, because those are really fucking expensive. Um... That being said, I actually do agree with uh, Frosty. Honestly, if you're gonna do a dandy, or if you're gonna go for pin dandy, definitely use a backup because uh, dandy is the most important piece of your gear. And if you have your dandy sitting kind of low on Dura and/or enhancement level, uh, it's not gonna be a good time. Uh, second question is 4.8k per hour trash at Auckland with the loot scroll. Good money compared to other classes. I'm a 240 AP archer. Also, does archer ever go to history at a certain AP or just stay at Auckland forever since they're good at it? Uh, I don't think either of us can answer this question. Because, I can't. I actually uh, can, can just because I was asking archers recently. That's low trash loot and your AP is low. So 240 with Gudum is pretty low for an archer to be there. You're not even soft cap yet. And Auckman's pretty tough mobs. And archers generally, like, let's just say NA. I, I know in Korea they do crazy numbers, like 8, 9, and 10k. But in NA, a lot of archers get between 6 and 7k with the loot scroll. But they're, like, 270 AP. So I think you need a little bit more AP for it to be really efficient. I would probably go to Mansions still at your AP. Well, there you go. Um, also, does Archer ever go to history at a certain AP? Yeah, Archer's good at history, too. Um, if you're, like, the 269 bracket, I don't, you, there's no reason why you can't go to history. It's really whatever you prefer, history or Aukman. I've heard, uh, I've been told by Archers that Aukman is, like, god tier for Archer, so I think a lot of them chill there, but anyway, um, then his third comment, he says, and a few more short questions. For dandy pen attempts, is it better to use crons or a backup? Uh, also, are they ever going to raise the price of pen archer dandy? Nobody's listing them because it's staying at 12.5 bill while others are around 20 bill. Uh, is that not the first question that, that he asked? The first question, yeah, we already answered that. The dandy, the price is going to go up based on demand and pre-orders. So if there's not pre-orders for it, then it's not going to go up. There you go. Uh, is McAloid better than whom for archers since they're glass cannon in PvE? Apparently he's asking. He says PvE. I I don't think so personally still because he, I, I think whom's just safer bet, honestly. I don't know. I think I, most people just go whom. Yeah, so I'm going to cite what I've seen from my good friend Cinny, 281 AP archer in uh, Versatile. He was like, I'm going to go a class cannon build, and he replaced his hooms with uh, Macaloids. Literally, the very next day, I was like, so how does, how's that build working out? And he was like, oh, I swapped back to hooms. So, yeah. uh, if that tells you anything, go with that. Um, yeah. He says, you get, what do you guys... You get, you get an extra 16 accuracy from using hooms, which helps in the higher end spots, plus the resistance is nice if you get caught. Uh, what do you guys do for AFK money-making methods? Uh, koi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, koi fish. When when there's not an event going on, I, I also still fish. I'll 
fish in like Grana and transport my character and trade in Shikatsu. Yeah. Um I do a lot of different things. I do a tiny bit of AFK processing, uh and like making crates and stuff. But honestly I'm really fucking bad at it. So most of the time I'm just fishing. Um he asks, how do you feel about the Doom Horse and are unicorns somewhat useless since they buffed camel speed? No, they're not useless because they're still way faster than a camel and the Doom looks really cool. I think it's the coolest looking horse in the game and it's pretty fast anywhere that's not the desert. Uh, He also asks, is there ever a point where Gyphon is worth? Tungrad belts are dumb expensive. I need to test that. I think about that every single day. <laughs> I need to bring someone to Gyphon so I could test it. But it's literally always on my mind. I'm like, dude, that is so much money for a belt instantly if you got one. Yeah. Um. Last one with 117 stack. Would you rather do Pen Dandy attempts or Tet Ogre attempts? Tet Ogre. Tet Ogre. Uh, thanks and love the podcast. Brother. Not a problem. We're glad that you're so interested and that you value our terrible, shitty opinion so much. Uh, like I said, next time you got a solid one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions, <laughs> join the Discord and drop them in there, brother, because oh, I can't do this every time. and It, it hurts. It physically hurts. Um, that being said, thanks a lot for commenting. Thanks everybody else for leaving a comment as well. We really appreciate it and make sure you leave a comment on this video as well, or if you're listening to it on your favorite podcasting app, I don't think they have comments on there, but you could always drop by either the discord or the YouTube video and leave a comment there as well. That being said, we're going to go ahead and introduce our guest. You might know him as the, uh, host slash, uh, organizer slash community manager slash cast he just fucking does everything for the goddamn bsl thanks for coming on dr positive thanks so much for having me guys i'm excited to be here yeah man we appreciate you coming on uh we got a lot of things that we want to talk about uh competitive pvp the bsl all kinds of good stuff um that being said frosty i know first you wanted to touch on what happened tonight in siege because <clears throat> we are recording this on saturday night rather than sunday morning as we usually do Right. So real quick, we have we have breaking news recording this Saturday, a little bit after Siege. I think originally we planned to record just after Siege ends, which for most people is around 8 p.m. It can go as long as 10. But um, so what happened is tonight, right around Siege is supposed to start at 6 p.m. PST. Everyone in my guild, I mean, Black Rose was ready. I know a bunch of other guilds on different territories were all prepared to go. We never got the warning 15 minutes before that said Siege was about to start. Everyone was still able to place their tents up until the last minute, and mobs were still up on every single uh, siege channel. So 6 p.m. rolls around, nothing happens. Everyone's kind of sitting there twiddling their thumbs. I know our main shot caller is like, hold on, sometimes it could be a minute late, two minutes late. A few minutes pass by, nothing happens. Ten minutes, nothing. And then we're like super confused. Turns out every single territory, nothing started. So the first we hear is an announcement in-game from Kakao about 40 minutes into us waiting and they say they're looking into it and then like 30 minutes after that uh they said we're still looking into it uh hang tight whatever and then around 7 30 p.m pst they say siege is going to start at 8 p.m pst tonight and end at 
whatever like a normal siege time would end. So everyone's like kind of frustrated at this point and tired because now it's starting two hours late. If you're East Coast, that's horrible because a four-hour siege could go literally until 3 a.m. <laughs> because it's starting at 11 p.m. Um, so the siege starts, but here's the funny thing. It started at late. Um, I, one of the territories, they had no enemy. So I think uh, like Serendia, Serendia and Balanos have different rules from the castle. So in, in one of the two territories, I think Balanos, one of the guild's vixens instantly won. On the other territory, he, he XD axed down their enemy. And the weird thing about how this siege started at 8 p.m. was every territory started after the the other one finished. So it was like one territory started and then ended, and then the next territory started and then ended, and then the next one. The problem is with the three castles, Calfion, Medaya, and Valencia, there's a rule where if you do not get the gate down in two hours, the castle holder wins. So all three of those territories instantly ended with the host winning the castle again. (laughs) (laughs) Because they didn't adjust the rules. So like, Haste, Haste, who was supposed to give it to Versatile if they won in their their 4v4, 3v3, uh, Haste is still in that castle. On Medaya, six or seven guilds placed to try to take Snake out. Snake's still in Medaya. And in... On Valencia, Black Rose, Black Rose is going to stay anyway, but Black Rose didn't have to kill the other fort that was there. So it was just like uh, a clusterfuck, and everyone is super pissed off. And the thing that's so funny, too, is there was a tweet by Cacao like 30 minutes before the siege actually started that was saying like, oh, or an hour before that, like, oh, we're looking into this. They they posted on Twitter, we're looking into this, we're going to get it uh, sorted, we'll let you know as soon as we know. And it said at the bottom, sent via iPhone. So like, sent via Twitter on iPhone. So everyone's oh just like, oh no. God. Like, they Kakao called like, hey, Kevin, Siege hasn't started. You need to get to work right now. <laughs> and he like woke up like, oh shit. I'll send out a tweet. I'm on my way right now. So yeah, that was uh, crazy. So that happened. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to let everyone know that Siege was uh, fucked this week and I'm sure there will be compensation of some sort, and it was super weird and confusing for everyone who waited for two hours and didn't get to fight anybody. Dude, Versatile will never get the castle, man. Versatile will never get the castle, dude. <laughs> I'll never get my Manshwam's buff that I've been waiting like three weeks for, dude. What the fuck? Nope. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing that a couple GM's blessings can't fix, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right? We'll We'll get... Our compensation of like four fucking blackstones and a goddamn Ronaros <laughs> ring that'll do. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can get a you can get a Laverto box in those. That's like like right. one point seven million silver right there. Uh, oh. I was uh I was listening to the the Siege podcast with Zethin and and uh Vicious I think asked like what would be good compensation for the different guilds and like everyone like the couple of people threw out some random stuff someone said loot scrolls and then like corrupt like the people on the territories not the castles were like guild pay like the poorer guilds like we'll take guild pay it was just pretty yeah. funny dude, dude no, literally just went because i didn't know about any of this until you just said it so i went and looked in the versatile discord at the node war announcements and it's fucking Mina saying, send out the payment. Sorry that it's not the castle pay. Cacao fucked us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and your your GM Mina also uh, put out some wager that he said, I promise we will have Calfion this week. Otherwise, I will change my family name to Trap Nasha or something like that. 
<laughs> yeah, and he did. It is it is Trap Nasha right now in Discord. I'm looking oh at it. Oh my god. So good for him uh <laughs> so. keeping his word. Alright, enough enough of the, the silliness and the, the all that stuff. We gotta talk about the important stuff. We gotta talk about uh the competitive PvP in this game, the avenues or lack thereof that which you or in which rather I've been drinking, keep this in mind, uh in which you can do PvP. Um, so first off, we just, I feel like the easiest way to do this is to just list them. So you have, uh, Node Wars, you have, uh, Siege, which is a part of Node Wars, I guess, but we'll count it as something different. Um, Team Battle, RBF, and then I guess you can count Duels, and that's I basically f- I, it. I feel like you should have said, I guess you can count Team Battle. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, I mean, I, you could count open world PvP as well, but I don't know if I really count that. So let's just go with five. You, you basically, we we have five avenues. You know what? Actually, we'll do that. We'll count open world PvP, but I'm combining Node Wars and Siege because fuck it, it's my podcast and my rules. So there's five avenues in which you can do PvP. There's Node Wars slash Siege. There's Team Battle. There's RBF. There's Duels, and then there's just kind of open world PvP in general. Uh, is that enough avenues of PvP? And are those avenues of PvP, do you guys consider those avenues of PvP competitive? Well, I think that one of the things that people have been asking for for a really long time, honestly, since like the inception of beta in BDO, is some sort of way to develop a ranking system or a leaderboard in small-scale PvP. People have been kind of bouncing around the idea of uh, a ranked 3v3 or 1v1 or 2v2 ladder or leaderboard or arenas or whatnot because i think that those formats kind of scratch a different itch for different kinds of pvp and that goes into like the type of pvp you encounter in games like this because i'm a passionate believer that you kind of get the same psychographic of people that play competitive pvp and bdo's hit the nail on the head for like most of them but a good chunk of people are still looking for that kind of ranked leaderboard-esque pvp experience that they can use to flex on people right also i i just realized uh that i completely forgot fucking arena varsha so it's six i wasn't gonna say anything but (laughs) (laughs) listen i've been drinking okay i'm just gonna keep using that as my excuse um so yeah arena varsha so technically it's six i guess um but yeah i mean the leaderboard is a thing, I mean, I've been playing this game since launch, and I can remember even at launch, people were saying, like, wait, why isn't there any sort of, like, ranking, or, like, there's no, like, there's no, well, back then there wasn't even the battle arena, so really the question was, why is there no place where everybody can just queue up and go fight, and then they kind of, like, satiated that with the battle arena, but there's still no ranking system, there's just a place where everybody can go meet up and fight, uh, as long as you're on the right channel, so... Um, is there still as much demand for like that type of content as there was back then? I really, I, I think there is, if not more, honestly. I think absolutely. And I remember back at the launch of the game where people, the earlier guilds would set up tournaments in the like localized arenas at Heidel and Calpheon and like right outside pre-battle arena pre-awakening pvp expositions and that was kind of the only thing that scratched the itch but i think that whenever you have a a, an environment that has this level of pvp intricacy because there is a lot of it in bdo i mean much to the chagrin of people that talk about desync and balance and whatnot 
I think that you have an engine that supports such a level of PvP that people are interested in, and they want to be able to say, I am the best or better than. And that type of, like, demand, I think, has only increased the more popular that BDO has gotten. And the more opportunities that we've had to show off PvP, I think that the 3 versus 3 tournament, the Kakao 3v3 we did last year, was one of the big breakpoints for introducing PvP to like the mainstream MMO audience in BDO, and it resulted in a massive uptick in people that were at least were interested in the BSL, if not PvP in general. Yeah, uh, we actually participated in that, uh, right, Frosty? That was the one we did with Krista, right? Uh, Kakao 3v3? Did we talk about that? That was rough. I mean, I don't know. We can't. I, I feel like <laughs> we kind of need to because it was a like official, like, Cacao. I believe it was Cacao Ran, too. Wasn't it? At least partially. Yeah. Uh, Cacao Ran and Cacao sponsored a tournament that was also fully sanctioned and endorsed by Pearl Abyss, I believe, as well. They were backing it. Uh, which was kind of the first of its kind in BDO, at least, which was kind of really. I think a lot of PvPers thought that it was really cool that they were like getting that there was that content coming to them, you know, that there was a sign that like, oh, Cacao and Prolobus, maybe maybe they do give a shit about like the competitive PvP in this game, you know, they're they're doing this yeah. tournament. Um, I I know for me personally, like that that whole bracket when that three v three official tournament came out was some of the most fun I've had. A following the game and B like when we were on that team participating. And we, I don't know, we got, whatever, to the official, like, round of 32, you know? And we yeah. lost immediately, but the during the qualifiers before that, like, I don't know, it was, like, super hype. It was, it was fun. It was, it was fun, like, the community was talking about it, everyone was excited about it. There was a lot of um, controversy about gear and this and that, but at the very least, it was something to be, like, there were people practicing. Like, that was the crazy thing. The tournament got announced. People started making their teams, and then you go to Velia 4 Battle Arena or any channel, and there's teams like 3v3 sparring and practicing and getting ready for this tournament. And it was it was kind of cool because it was something to work towards that wasn't grinding for silver. And I, I remember, Reslar, you, me, Krixta, and then a couple of our other friends, we were doing some practice 3v3s against the group we thought we were going <laughs> to fight uh and that was fun like it was fun like seeing how we work together and trying to actually communicate and figure out what our strategy might be and yeah i i would love like i absolutely think we need more of that on top of just some sort of in-game ranking and ladder system uh, which i've said a million times I, I just think it would make the game way more fun you guys want to hear a fun story about the cacao three versus three that's right i'd love to give us the dirt all right, so let's take a, a trip in our Wayback Machine here to, like, late July, maybe mid-July 2018. So Good Vibes Guy and I just wrapped the second season of the Black Spirit League, and we get contacted by Cacao Games. And without going into too much detail, Cacao Games basically says to us, hey guys, we really like what you're doing. We want to do a tournament. We want you to put it together for us. You've got one month to take it from nothing to a fully realized round of 32. Go for it. Good luck. Have a good time. Oh my god. <laughs> so, sounds reasonable. We yeah, we had about 30 days to put together the qualifying rounds for that tournament and it was 
an absolute shit fit of working like so many hours to try to plan out the right bracket and get the announcements out and move people around and get them qualified and then play through this ridiculous three versus three bracket. And I don't know if you guys have ever tried to run a three versus three tournament before, but trying to get six players into the arena of Arsha at the right time on the right teams is like hurting cats. So <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was an experience, but it taught us a lot about like the chops required to run a big tournament. And at the point, at the time, it was the biggest BDO tournament that there had ever been. So it was really exciting. There was a lot of energy around it. Yeah, I oh, yeah for sure. Just as a as a as an aside to the uh, I don't know if you guys have had experience. Rezlar and I tried to do an in guild tournament, like our in house like guild tournament three v three, and during one of them, uh, we had a rule that you couldn't use Black Spirit Rage because in the arena of Arsha, your Black Spirit Rage resets, and we had a group of five people leave the guild because that wasn't fair. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no joke. They rage quit the guild and said, this is some bullshit. What do you mean we can't use our Black Spirit Rage? And they actually left our guild because of it. And it was like, uh, okay, this sucks. What the hell? So yeah, I can yeah. imagine uh, dealing with people that don't actually want to be hanging out with you uh, and how much trouble that might be. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I think it, those... does, it doesn't matter what it is. There's always going to be something that people are going to rage about. That's, Yo. that's just a, a seminal <laughs> rule. Yo, okay. So for anyone who doesn't watch the BSL, uh, I was lucky enough to have Dr. Positive bring me on for the EU side of the week one of uh, the BSL that's currently going on, season <sighs> it, three. It looks so long. That day was yeah, ridiculous. It, no, so, okay. It was a really, really like long day. It took way longer than Dr. Positive expected to do. First of all, he announces that it's going to start at like... It, I, I think it was like 1 p.m. my time or something like that. So I was like, oh yeah, they're doing the EU stuff and it's going to, you know, that's why it's starting at a weird time because it's EU or whatever. And so I get home from work at like, I think like five or something, like somewhere around that time. And I look and he's still doing it and he's on his own. And I'm like, oh no, like I've been in that position where you're just casting on your own for that long. And I'm like, dude, I know he's just fucking miserable right now. So I shot him a PM. I'm like, dude, do you need some help? Like I can come help you if you need me to. And he's like, yes, please. My throat is killing me right now. <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. But uh, the reason I was talking about it is because, like, after that first week, because it was, like, that first week was such a shit show because so many, like, weird things happened that just we couldn't, like, nobody could really plan for. Um, there was so many people in the fucking Discord after week one uh, EU that were just like, oh, why, why is this rule this way? Or why do you guys do this this way? It's like, this should obviously be this way or that way or this way or that way. And like poor Dr. Positive and like the other people that were running things like Good Vibes Guy and uh, I think Aline is her name, uh, were like trying to like be as nice as possible. And then me in the back of my head, I'm like, dude, if I was running this tournament, I would literally be like, okay, if you want to run it this way, then go do your own fucking tournament, you fucking idiots. Like, like literally, I was getting so angry from these people not even talking in my direction because it's like, everybody knows how to run things better, but nobody wants to run them. It's so frustrating. Yeah, that's the thing you get over really, really fast. Like, you, you can't come into esports production 
expecting like all of your decisions to go over perfectly with everybody because it is exactly that everyone has their different ideas about how they expect things to go and i can get into this more kind of when we do our like bsl talk but we got completely blindsided by this season right we opened our registrations kind of with the second season of the bsl in mind from last year we were said well okay we'll give the community two weeks to get 64 people signed up for this tournament. We figured that that was enough time to get a full 64-man bracket together. So two weeks for 64 one-on-one players, right? We No, no, we got 600 signups in four days. Jesus. <laughs> what? There's 600 and people that still play this dead game? That's what I said. <laughs> I was like, what, who, who are these people? And where have they been for the last two and a half years? But... To, to kind of bring it back to competitive PvP, I think the biggest uh, stride that PA has taken towards competitive PvP and kind of what caused this demand uptick and just in general the PvP demand uptick in BDO is the introduction of the trial characters yeah. and the actual realization of gear equalized PvP in BDO, which is something everyone has been asking for since beta. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting. Um... There is still an, an amount of people that are like, if I'm going to do PvP, I'm going to do it with my gear that like I've worked really hard for for a really long time. But definitely, like people are really happy that the option is there. Like you can do try like tournaments with trial characters, and it is equalized. You know, people are really glad that that's a thing. So it definitely did help like the competitive scene of things. See, the interesting thing is, I've always been in the camp where if the game came out. And there was already an equalized like tournament ladder or whatever that came with the launch of the game. That would be one thing. But to have people working for two or three years to build up their gear, investing time, investing money, and then to tell them like, oh yeah, by the way, in this competitive scene, your gear's irrelevant, I thought would be frustrating. But I actually think with the trial characters and how limited they are, it it makes it palpable for people who have invested a ton of time on their gear. Because yeah. you can't use it for grinding, you can't really use it during the day or a- any time outside of like competitive PvP in a tournament that's hosted. And like, even if you hop into the arena, like you feel like you're at a huge disadvantage against players that actually have gear, unless you're against another trial character. So I, I actually really ended up liking the way they did the trial characters. I just, and I'm, I'm actually kind of curious, Doctor Positive, your opinion on this, but I still, I don't love the that they added the dp setup in the trial characters and again like rezar and i've talked about this before i think it sucks for both you and him and anyone else who helps you cast that you guys have to guess what people are wearing or what gear setup they're using during a tournament because there's no way to tell and then you have the audience who's just waiting to be like oh you were wrong like laven came on last week he had been accused of using a full dp setup because ninja's broken they can kill everyone with 210 ap and he only had 305 or 310 DP in some of these builds. It wasn't 400 yeah. like everyone was accusing him of. And I think that sucks, you know? Yeah, and I have gone back and forth about this, actually, with myself and just kind of my op- opinion on it. But where I land overall is that in every single PvP format, there's going to be something that comes out in the community as, like, the not-okay OP game-breaking thing that shouldn't be allowed, right? Mm-hmm. BSL Season BSL season 1, it was Mystics. 
right? <laughs> Mystics shouldn't be allowed. Mystics should be banned. Mystics aren't okay. BSL Season 2, it was uh, no uh, Ninja Kuno, no double stealth classes. You're not allowed to have double stealth classes. It's too OP. It's whatever, blah, 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 blah. The 3v3 had its own set of problems, and now in the BSL Season 3, it's DP. DP's going to win everything. Every match will go to whatever time, and it'll be 50 draws and yada, yada, yada. But the same phenomenon has happened every single tournament and every single year, which is that it never plays out. We never see it. We don't see the DP meme wizard winning every single tournament because no one can kill him, right? We don't see the mystic being completely unkillable and uh, never indomitable, right? Like, we've got a plethora of classes that have won the BSL right now. We've got Sorks, we got Tamers, we got uh, Warriors, we got Berserkers. We got never this DP kind of boogeyman that everyone expected to be so oppressive in gear match. And I think it's because when it comes down to it, cheese isn't good it's cheese and when people realize that i think you kind of naturally regress back towards what is actually good and that's why we see a plethora and like an emergence of kind of these hybrid builds that have been really popular so far in 1v1 and at at its core i i don't want to discourage options i think the idea of being able to play with your stats a little bit within an equalized range is really good do I think that Perlibist executed on it perfectly the first time? Absolutely not. I think they could have definitely tweaked the the numbers on some of these gear sets to make it like the the higher thresholds a little bit less ridiculous. But overall, I don't mind casting a DP versus DP slugfest. It's annoying and kind of boring to watch, but I think it's healthy that that option exists. I think it's important in any meta, BDO or any other esports otherwise, that there is diversity and that there is proclivity to try things because that's what keeps the format interesting. I, that's just my no, two cents I, on it. I completely, I'm with you. My my biggest thing is like let's I I don't know how they'd implement it. Maybe where you see their health bar or something as casters uh, next to it, you guys can see the AP and DP of the people that are playing, like something. I mean, so you know what all you're they, looking All they at. have to do is make it, like, I know this is going to be really hard for them because they don't know how to code things. All they have to do <laughs> is make it to when you're spectating someone, first of all, fix the fucking spectator, but when you're spectating someone, you see their gear. It's no, literally I, all they have to do. I, I like when Dr. Positive gets stuck in the wall. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I love it. It's great. <laughs> That's my favorite. I come up with a different, different role play every single time, just, like, embedded in the concrete. I was so tantalized by the match, I literally sublimated into the side of the wall. Yeah, was great. I, I, I also, Every single I also love when Mystics are running around with Dr. Positive's three shards of darkness. Dude. <laughs> Be- believe it or not, someone specifically asked me to do that. I was, you know, a, piece, a piece of feedback I was given in BSL Season 2 is that, or in the 3v3 rather, is that it was hard to see who we were spectating. So I chose Sork as the spectator tool because when you spectate, it attaches the shards of darkness to whoever you're spectating. Right. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, it's just like a little visual cue to see like who the spectator is currently watching. Oh, huh. interesting. I didn't even that's consider really interesting. that. Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. You're. You're. I think at the end of the day, you're never gonna please any, everybody. Rather, I was about to say anybody. Uh, I've been I've been drinking. Keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, Doctor Positive, we're already talking about the BSL, but uh, I wanted to ask you, 
Um, obviously, we got the uh, 2v2 stuff coming up. Well, what I wanted to ask you is, what is your favorite thing to watch in terms of 1v1s, 2v2s, or 3v3s? What do you think is the most interesting? Of the formats, you mean? or like Yeah, the within... formats, yeah. That's a hard one. I think there's something to see in each format. If I had to pick one, I think 3v3 is really interesting to watch from a casting perspective and just a gameplay perspective because there is a lot to translate, if that makes sense. From an outside observer, it's hard to understand what's going on in a 3 versus 3 match. So it's really fun and interesting from a casting perspective to kind of break down kind of the intricacies that go on. And I am a huge nut for compositional metagaming, right? Thinking about what comps to try and what complements what and what are you going to do against your opponents kind of playing in that cerebral level and it's way easier to do that and kind of more rewarding to do that in uh, a 3v3 setting right you have the option to go kind of a full glass cannon just try to get the kills like ranger archer tamer or something like that just like who cares about defense let's just go for it but you also see like people who have put together these compositions that make a lot of sense in my mind. Like you have your frontline bruiser and engage tool, like a warrior or a striker, and you have a mid-range flex carry, something like a sorceress works really well or a Mewa Musa works really well, and then a backline high DPS threat, like an archer, ranger, or a uh, witch wizard as a support class. And I think that that's really fun to watch people come to that conclusion. Yeah. I know when we did our 3v3, when we were assembling our 3v3 team, we were kind of thinking like, all right, so Frosty can play like Mystic or uh, Sork. Uh, excuse me, I'm not fucking thinking properly. Uh, and then we ended up going with Mystic because we were like, all right, let's get some frontline in here and then I'll be playing the Zerker and I can be kind of like the mid-range that you were talking about. Like, I can kind of do whatever. I can pop the Q buff and sit back. I can dive in with Frosty if I need to. I can go for a flank. I can just run straight at their face, although they probably wouldn't be very smart. And then we had a ninja. So he was kind of like our, our back line in a way. Like, he never knew where he was at, you know, preferably. He could come from anywhere and just, like, insta-kill somebody. So it's always really fun to, uh, like, metagame like that. The, uh, the crazy thing, too, about our comp is... Based on the meta at the time, our composition was so busted. It's just that, like, yeah. we were, we actually were really, like, I was the highest geared on our team, and I was only 261 AP. And, like, you weren't even, I think, what, what were you, two, I think you were 251, 253. I, I had literally just hit soft cap. You literally right. told me, I'm not doing this tournament with you. Unless you get soft cap. And so yeah. I hard grinded mantroms for like a week straight, tryharding my ass off to get a fucking tricrescent so I could be soft cap. Right. <laughs> and then our our ninja was he was soft cap with a Penzarka. But um yeah. I did not foresee his nerves hitting him as hard as they did. I mean Poor... I think the nerves hit all of us. They hit all of us hard, but man, that blade like, doctor positive. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> we he i i it's it haunts me constantly when i think about this but our we were against sasha from black rose hole and ghost coup that was the our opponents in the first round of the round of 32 and in one of the fights sasha and, Hol and ghost coup were dead i got killed reslar got killed and then 
our ninja is against hole in a 1v1 and the ninja floats hole with blade spin and then runs away and i'm like <gasps> i like i put my hands on my head like what's happening why is he running and then hole gets up and just kills him immediately and i'm like why did this happen no yeah. oh frosty, my god frosty was very upset but we I all was... had our fair share of blunders Dude, I, I know was, you still. I felt. So I know, bad. Frosty. You still regret going to challenge Ghostku in that tunnel. Dude, I regret. I was like, all right. The only thing I got to do is not be in this tunnel, and I can beat Ghostku. We just got a one v one him outside, and then I was like, I'm going in this tunnel. I got this, and I got CC'd <laughs> immediately and died. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was I bad. Think, I think my biggest blunder was when me and Crixto were two v oneing Hull, and he was down in the tunnel. And I was like, fuck, I don't know if I really want to go down there, honestly. I was like, Crixel, let's just wait him out here. I'll act as bait, and you just get him. And, like, now looking back, I'm like, that was the most retarded fucking thing I could have said that we should do in that moment, honestly. Yeah, um, be because a lot of the B like, I'd been watching, I watched the 2v2, B I watched all the BSLs, like, leading up to that. And... Like, one of the strategies you saw in 2v2 is the person that's in the deficit, that's in the 1v2, is waiting out the clock until everyone's health has dropped. So that way, when they do make a move, maybe they can actually kill somebody. And that's what Hole did. And I, I should have spoke up. I, like, watched you guys sitting there waiting it out. And like, yeah, we'll just wait it out, wait till uh, this runs out. And then if, if Hole tries to grab someone, we'll CC him easily and kill him. And it was like, yeah, he ended up killing both of you guys. Yeah, I was like, really oh, bad. no. But, uh... Uh, anyway. Fun fact, uh, fun piece of trivia knowledge for anybody curious how uh, this podcast came to be with uh, Dr. Positive specifically. Uh, the first interaction I ever had with Dr. Positive was uh, casting a in-house guild 3v3 tournament. And then Dr. Positive just randomly turns up in one of my guildies streams and goes, Hey, whoever's casting this is doing a pretty damn good job. Keep up the good work. And that was the, the first interaction I ever had with Dr. Positive. <laughs> I remember that day. I remember it very, very well. <laughs> That's something I always try. I always, like, troll around in lots of BDO streams. Like, all in, like, the, the 10, 20, 30, 40 viewer streams. I always want to go and, like, say hi to people I've seen in tournaments before and just talk to people. Because I think through our community, like, we've been able to bring a lot of people together. And... If you want me to really give a good answer to like what I think is the most interesting about PvP is what you, Reslar and you, Frosty, what you just did is what I'm interested in. Like having people care to the point where they remember stories and they can kind of reminisce on good fights and mistakes that they made and come together around the culture of PvP rather than saying, oh yeah, desync, scuff tournament, whatever, blah, 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 mystic, yada, and then go back to being upset about everything. It's that type of morale and that type of attitude is kind of what we've been working to build for a really long time and it's awesome to hear it kind of manifest itself whenever it does yeah it's really unfortunate when desync happens but i mean it's I, I and i hate saying this and i know i said it on stream when you've had me on as a guest host for this season's bsl i, I know i've said it a lot but it, it really is just part of the game at this point it's super unfortunate when it happens and like I like I still remember when uh Inflinked got a desync grab that ended up costing him a match 
and I, as a berserker, I felt the rage just burning inside of me. I just was instantly just like, fuck this game, fuck this desync, fuck this class. But I had to just sit there and put on a nice face and be like, well, you know, that's super unfortunate, but uh, it's just kind of what happens, you know? It's like, it, it, it's just kind of part of it at this point. It's really unfortunate that it's like that, but it is. So it's it's important to try at least to be a good sport when, when shit like that goes down. Uh the way I've talked about it before, oh, I don't mean to cut off, but the the way I've I've talked about desync before, and I do this on stream sometimes, I say that desync in BDO is like poverty, right? It's something that's there. It happens occasionally, and sometimes it's really bad, and everybody gets to see it and kind of freak out about it. But the reality of it is that the billionaires that have the ability to fix the problem have chosen not to. <laughs> so we're kind of left with what we've got. See, I have a totally yeah. different philosophy on this. I, I've always said desync doesn't happen to good players, period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all you have to do is be like Frosty and live uh, 20 minutes from the fucking servers, and then you'll never have uh, desync in your fucking all life. Alright, it's, it's two just hours. That easy. Don't be a dick. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know. Desync is just, I don't know. It's been around since the beginning of the game. And honestly, like, I complain about desync now, but, like, when I think back of, at the state of the game when it first launched, where Berserker was literally unplayable, because at launch they, they did no damage, so the only thing they were good for was grabbing people and, like, CCing for their friends to kill, but they couldn't even do that because desync was so bad. Like, none of their grabs worked because of desync, and I'm like, you know what, the desync today isn't so bad. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the meta back in the day, the the lease web meta, where if you had iframes, you were actually unkillable, and for whatever reason, uh, you had like Sork Dark Flame that would just one shot anybody from any HP, and it didn't matter because there was just like a pile of spaghetti code around that, and Rangers could one shot <laughs> anybody for whatever they wanted. It was it's we we take what we have for granted today in the the focus that. Perlibus has placed more on PvP balancing, and they've they've had their swings, they've had their misses, maybe one more so than the other, depending on your opinion, but <laughs> the fact that they are paying attention to it, I think, is important, and might be a message that they don't hear enough, so that's why, at least in the BSL, we try to put a good light on anything that happens. It's our, There were plenty of people in the community that are very quick to point out when things are wrong, and that's great, and more power to you if that's what you want to do but that's not what we're here for we're here to point out when things are right and kind of try to keep everything swimmingly as possible i have yeah, the uh, it's I have important a to keep a balance i have a competing tournament coming up called the wksl which is the white knight star league where or the white knight <laughs> spirit league dude and we keep an even brighter light on what's going on in the community in my future tournament you you just wait <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we have a. Uh, I'm also hosting my own tournament here soon called the uh, CSL, the Complainer Spirit League. Uh, basically, oh, I'm there, you know, I'm there. Basically, every single win and every single loss is complete bullshit, and uh, this game's fucking rigged and pay to win. And we're gonna go on Reddit and talk about how we quit this game five months ago, and it's good to see that it's still dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I mean, we've already talked a bunch about the BSL, uh, especially the the history of it, but we haven't really yeah. talked about this season of BSL that much. So, Dr. Positive, what, what's going on this season, man? What do you oh boy. talk to us oh about boy, it? Oh, boy, oh, boy. I, I'm always apt to talk about it. So, we just finished our first flight, 
of the BSL. So our one versus one flight, four weeks of 1v1 tournaments is now over. And we just paid out the prizes for those flights. So we gave out 10,000 cacao cash, 7,000 and 3,000 to first, second and third place for both North America and Europe. And now we're going to be moving in flight two. So the tournament format is going to change to two versus two for the next uh, like four weeks or so. And it's exciting. I, I can't wait to see the types of compositions people are going to bring and the types of play styles that people are going to try out because 2v2 gives so many more options than 1v1. And now that we've kind of got the tournament down to a digestible time length instead of running 10 hours <laughs> and me falling over dead afterwards, it's it, the, the whole kind of village has come together around the operation. And it's, it's a really cool thing to watch happen from the, the tiny little percolative idea that we had in season three's ideation it was like we want to run a circuit tournament yeah. right because we learned quickly from the first two years of the bsl that leagues don't work too well in bdo mostly because we have a hard time to get people like regularly showing up and if your matches don't play then you don't have anything to show and it just doesn't look nice but i think having a circuit tournament and being able to build up points over the year to compete in a giant grand finals, which by the way is going to completely knock the socks out of every PvP viewer. I really hope you guys tune in to watch that. Uh just the ability to give that kind of content where people can jump in and jump out as they please and it's not a big amount of pressure for people to show up for thirteen weeks consecutively. It's it's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. And uh might as well take this time to announce to all of our fans out there, all of our uh, our, our listeners, all the people that listen to our podcast. Uh, me and Frosty will be joining in the 2v2 tournament. Uh, I believe Frosty has signed us up for week 1, 2, and 4. Uh, we will be under the team name of The Value Pack, so make sure to keep an eye out for us uh, out there slaughtering people and trying to see if we can get some circuit points of our own. Also, no, uh, if, should if, be... if Reslar... It, if we don't top 8 in the first week, I'm definitely dropping Reslar and starting a new team. <laughs> oh no <laughs> um i do have one question dr positive if i may ask one of course uh so the, it's about the uh week one obviously week one just ended uh last weekend it was the super week i believe you called it right right and uh so i just wanted to ask something about the super week why didn't you bring me on to help guest cast it man <laughs> I was looking forward to it. I, like Frosty was asking me. He was like, "So are you gonna be doing the Super Week?" I was like, "Dude, I don't know. He's, he hasn't asked me yet, so I guess not." Man, I thought I'm I thought sorry. we were cool, brother. <laughs> it was just at me like that in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, Next Super Week, I promise. If you are not playing in it, you will be there. <laughs> I, I actually, I, but I bet you you'll be playing in it. I have I, mean, I have I, a question. So. When do we get to find out or see the the point kind of breakdown, or is it already up somewhere um, for the people that won like how many... flight one? Like who positioned where, who has how many points, who's qualified? Oh, it's there in the Discord. Oh. Uh, yeah, if you go to our scoreboard channel in our Discord, it's all public right there. You can take a look to see who's where on the circuit point leaderboard list. We're not going to know who's qualified for the grand finals until the week before the grand finals, so... We're right. going to, I can't talk too much about how it's going to go, but what I can say is that we're going to be pulling the top 20 circuit point holders from across all three flights. So your total points for the entire season, if you're in that top 20 in North America and Europe, you'll get an invite to the grand finals. Is it, so basically, if you turn down your invite, it goes down to 
place number 21 and so on until we get 20 people. Is it so basically fair? your best point, your best chance of getting into the grand finals is participating in as many flights as possible. Well, based basically, yeah. based on these results, no, I mean that I'm looking at. I, is it fair to say that if you're a tamer named Mamo, you might have the best chance to get into the finals? <laughs> well, Mamo, <laughs> I never have enough to say about that guy. Mamo has been just a stalwart veteran of the BSL since its inception in 2017. But Mamo, yeah, he kicked ass in season one. And what's interesting is if you look at that uh, score breakdown that we have here. And to kind of see where the points broke down, I'll pull it up right now just so I can talk about it too. If you look at NA, for example, you have Mamo and Frendo there <laughs> in first and second place, and two Tamer players that got there in very different ways, right? Mamo played through, actually, I mean, rather, they got there very, very much similarly. They both played through every single week. They both top eighted, I think, every single week. I think Frendo missed one top eight, which is why he's a little lower on the CP. But then you have Hands down there in fourth place, who played through two of the four weeks. He slept through the other two, and won the week he played through, and got, uh, I think, 15th or 14th place? No, I think he got 7th place in uh, Super Week. So you have him right there in fourth place, right behind Vanguard, who played through every single week. So I think you got two roads to victory in the BSL, which is those players who can show up every single week, but might not be as mechanically gifted or as experienced in PvP, you can grind your way into the upper bits of the leaderboard here, right? Getting points here, points there, and just showing up regularly. But on the flip side, for people like Hands, you can come in for that one week you make it. If you just smash the entire tournament, you're going to have that big person circuit points that will bring you forward as well. So the the circuit point break allows for different types of player with different types of schedule to still have a meaningful chance to make it to the top. Right. So what do we have? Let's let's just go through NA first. What do we have in these top 10? We have, it's Tamer, Tamer, Warrior, Warrior. What's uh, Chinois? Yeah, we got, so that's, that's Influence. Influence. That's, okay. He's so Berserker. Yep. Berserker. Then we've got Mystic, Mystic uh, Ninja, Blindu, I believe is a Mewa. Okay. And then Sorceress, Mewa. Okay. So you got Trevelyan and Nayashi there down in ninth and right. tenth. Yo, then... Nayashi's my bro. Let's go. <laughs> and then uh and then in EU, what's the breakdown here? So FTP's a Mewa, right? Uh no, so FTP is actually interesting. He FXP, he's <laughs> what he goes by, mm -hmm. is a Mystic Mewa hybrid player. He plays both Mystic and Mewa, and he'll switch between the classes per week, depending on which one he's feet like what the what what his field looks like. Right. So what he's told me is that he'll look at his bracket in like when the bracket's released and based on who he sees in that bracket he'll bring the class that he think best fits like the playstyle of the people he'll be playing against. Right. So uh, FTP is a generalist I see, but then I think the much more interesting conversation is second and third place between uh Transit and Slim. So LLW and Offens and Tungrads are arguably the number 1 and number 2 sorcerers players in the world. Right. And they, if you guys didn't catch the first grand final of the BSL this season, those two had one of the most hotly contested best of sevens I have ever seen. Yeah. That I believe pulled eight or nine total draws. Yeah. In, And the thing with them is that if you watch that VOD, they are not kiting. They are not working the timer they are not yeah. playing cheesy there's it's literally just goku versus vegeta <laughs> like they're 
Yo, bouncing off of each other and perfectly using their iframes. It was an absolute joy to watch. That's literally what I was about to say. I was about to say, wasn't uh, FXP a cause of our nightmare in week one? Yes, yes. <laughs> by by fighting, who was he fighting? Was he fighting uh, the Tamer? What was the Tamer's name? Uh, Fu- he was pl- fighting Akiko, so Fuyu there Fuyu, in yeah. fourth place. So he was fighting Fuyu, and he was playing pretty well, but the thing was is at the end of the round, it always seemed like – it was almost like he got scared, and he got worried that he wasn't going to be able to, to take the win at the last second. So he ended up just kind of kiting around uh, once he got to the end of the round. So we had something like – it was like 15 draws or something in the very <laughs> first final. Which was like, yeah. and it was yep. so painful to watch. And I can't blame him for doing what he thought he needed to do to win. But holy fuck, that was just so tiring and like boring to cast and watch. Like, no offense to FXP. Again, you did what you thought you had to do to win, and you know that's all. That's all you. But the very next final was almost. It was similar in that there were a lot of draws, but in, for a very different reason. It's exactly what you were saying. It wasn't that these players were kiting or worried that they weren't going to be able to get the last hit in, so they just kind of like ran or something. Or, you know, it wasn't that they were playing for the buzzer. You know, they weren't going for the buzzer burner or whatever it's called. Uh, they literally were just playing so well, so fucking out of their minds, that they literally couldn't fucking hit each other. It was insane to watch. And I, I honestly felt really bad afterwards that, like, we were so tired that I felt like we really didn't do it justice uh, that it deserved, honestly. Oh, I agree. If we had, if that had been the first match of the day, I would have burnt my voice entirely on casting that match. Yeah. It was phenomenal, but it, we saw it at the end of a nine and a half hour cast. <laughs> so. Yo, so I went in Discord, in the versatile Discord, after that match, like after the stream was over, and uh, like Frosty was there, and he was talking about the VSL, and he was like, uh, so how long have you been like casting with Dr. Positive today? And I was like, dude, I've only been here for i only did it for like four hours i was like dr positive has been doing it for like nine i can't imagine what he's feeling right now (laughs) i'll tell you yep just i coated the back of my throat with honey (laughs) like i was just like i just something needs to be done here um but it was a good one of the crazy things about that sork v sork um is so trial characters feel weird if you main a character, one of the reasons I think a big part of it is because there's no alchemy stone. And I don't think people that play kind of casually realize this, but if you PvP a lot, that 5% attack speed becomes muscle memory. So oh, even yeah. though it's not it's not a huge boost, but it's enough that you feel it, especially if you have to time your attacks and your cancels properly. And in the Sork v. Sork matchup specifically, it, it feels different. And um, Benzi, which Dr. Positive, I'm sure you remember Benzi from the 3v3 tournament. Um, oh, so Benzi's in my guild, and he sent me uh, like a 10-second uh, clip of LLW fighting off in the two Sorks from EU. And he was like, did this guy Nightcrow in Awakening three times uh, in this clip? Like, this, like, what did he do to do this? But he, like, he Nightcrows from Pre-Awakening to Awakening, and then C-swaps. And then Nightcrow's again, which if you play Sork, you know when you're in your Awakening, Nightcrow actually has a one-second cooldown. He Nightcrow's again, and Dark Trade canceled Nightcrow's, like, perfectly on a trial character, which, like, for me, I was like, I watched that, I was like, dude, 
that's hard to execute on your main character where you know the attack speed and you've been playing it for a long time. So, like, the dude actually is practicing in BA on trial characters probably multiple hours a day. It was like, it kind of blew my mind when I watched that. I was like, holy crap, like, this dude's executing cancels perfectly on a trial character where the attack speed's different. I don't know, like, that That yeah, kind of thing blew my you. mind, man. It was, it was crazy. That guy's nuts. He's watching Slim play. And transit to his character. Like, both of them are insane. But if you are familiar with the EU scene, Slim is, like, a household name in PvP. He wrote the book on how to play Zork in EU and his particular style. He was one of the first players to innovate the Blade of Darkness down smash combination and would basically fight people in the battle arena in an open world at, I think, he tried to get as low AP as he could possibly get. I think he ran standard like uh, tet boss armors but nothing else besides a militia amulet and a militia offhand and could combo people indefinitely yeah right he just kept them down forever and because he was that clean and he is that clean so watching him play is just really exciting to see but i don't think he's coming in for the 2v2 he's a 1v1 specialist so i believe he's going to see if his cp can hold him out for uh, the grand finals and it might be able to he's up there at like 21 or something so right. possible so yeah well let's go down the rest of this list so we have we have the the mewa mystic hybrid we have sork sork and then we have fuyu who is the tamer right and then right. weissanet yeah so weissanet's also a tamer okay. player so fuyu and weissanet are kind of the tied tamer players there okay. and then moving down we have copper stain is a sorceress uh suplex is a berserker no, he's a... Whoa, I think he's a Berserker. Yeah, he is a Berserker. Uh, Koalga is a ninja. Ziada is another Berserker. And Miser, I believe, is a warrior. Interesting. Yeah, it's crazy, the composition. Like, when you hear what people complain about most, you hear Mystic, Ninja... <laughs> and then, like, it, there's not a whole lot of Mystics and Ninjas in these groups on either yeah. NA or EU. It's kind of funny. And, and I think the thing that took a lot of people by storm was Tamer. Right. Yeah. Right? Yo, that's what I was going to say earlier when you were talking about the classes that are winning. I was like, the actual list of classes is like Tamer, Warrior, Tamer, Berserker, Tamer, Sork, Tamer. Like, There's been a lot of Tamers that, if not winning, are placing extremely high, which I think to a lot of people isn't that big of a surprise because Tamer is such a good 1v1 class. But still, it's exciting to see some like really high-level tamer play in these matches, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's cool to watch them. It, like, I don't know. I I think tamer, tamer style is really cool, and you know when you're watching it that it's a very difficult class to play, which is why in across all the BSLs that we've had so far, you literally always see the same names of the tamers that are there, right? Yeah, fun fact, Dr. Positive, after watching so many Tamers win the BSL, Frosty is now considering buying that re-roll package to re-roll to Tamer. <laughs> You're damn right, dude. Tamer, here I come. Here I come. Mamo, oh, I'm coming for you. A good day. I'm coming for you, Mamo. He's going to play Tamer in the 2v2. I'm going to be forced to carry the whole fucking thing. <laughs> but on classes, actually, two of the classes that were put into our radar as like things to watch out for in 1v1 were Lawn and Archer. Mm-hmm. And 
we didn't see any of them break into the top 10 of circuit points and lawn particularly was like heralded especially at gear matches one of like the best 1v1 duelists and we just didn't really see it so it makes me wonder if the good lawn players just didn't come to this tournament or if there's something to be said about lawn in gear match that it perhaps not quite up to snuff i just don't know i know this is now devolving more into balance talk but it might as well fuck it um i i just don't know if i buy the whole like lawn is really crazy good at 1v1 i mean certainly they're they're in probably the top 10 and i i, I can't really think straight right now of all the classes but they're probably in the top 10 but I, I just don't buy that they're so op like everybody keeps telling me they are i think the lawns that people are running to out in the open world that are absolutely clapping people are usually super fucking geared and that's why they're clapping people. It's not necessarily that Lon itself is super broken or anything. Or, honestly, more likely is the odds that the people that are fighting the Lons have no fucking clue what the Lon does. And so they're just getting murdered, and they don't know why. And so then they go in Discord and on Reddit and start crying about how Lon is incredibly strong at 1v1s. I don't know, maybe I'm talking out my ass here, I'm drunk. Uh, no, I think a part of that is definitely relevant in the fact that lawn is like compared to a lot of the other classes exceptionally rare, right? You don't see a lot of lawn players out there, right? And I don't really know why that is. I think like when lawn was released, it was kind of undertuned, so people didn't really pick it up, and it's now down there, kind of with uh, like Dark Knight and Kunuichi. I'd say is kind of like the bottom three classes as in order of like popularity or incidence of like high level play so the lawns that you do see get to prey on twofold number one the fact that most players just don't know what they do and aren't familiar with fighting them and besides the fact that they do have a good kit for 1v1 like lawn has a lot of cc a persistent grab they have a lot of mobility they have iframes they have basically everything you want in a 1v1 class tacked on to the kind of mystery of a lot of players not being familiar with how to play around them. Right. And I think that's, uh, I think it's interesting because I feel like Tamer used to be in the same position, but I, I feel like after the CC changes, like people started paying more attention to Tamer because I, I feel like after a lot of protections got removed, Tamer actually became a lot deadlier. At least in my opinion. Maybe people disagree. That's totally chill. I think after the removal of protections from like all the classes, Tamer became a lot deadlier than it was before when everything was like super armor trades. Um, and it kind of made people go like, oh, fuck. Now I have to learn what the fuck this class does. And like now like you see people are trying to like gain knowledge on Tamer, even though there are so few Tamers in the game, just like Law and Kuno, those other classes that you were mentioning at the... Uh, high level play you just don't see a lot of them right you see strikers you see mystics you see ninjas you see wizards witches berserkers you don't see tamers lawns kunos you know the lower popularity classes and a lot of people just don't know what they do but uh i think whenever those classes like break out onto the scene in such a fashion that like all these tamers are doing in the bsl it's kind of going to put the spotlight on them and make people go okay i need to pay more attention to like what's going on here so maybe something will happen where alan's going to come in and just absolutely wreck everybody and he's going to be like super good and then everybody's going to start paying attention to lawn and and maybe they'll figure out a counter for it i don't know it's just always interesting to talk about like that kind of stuff yeah i think um Excuse me. I I think that I uh <laughs> I think I disagree on a, a lot of fronts here. One, I think 
I think Tamer was really good before, even with the super armor, because the grab was really quick and kind of catches people off guard. And they they ha always had decent mobility. Um, I I actually think in this weird way, like because Tamer has always kind of been regarded really good as one v one, but I think after the CC changes, that it stayed almost exactly in line with where it was because its AoE size didn't grow, so it wasn't going to change in PvE or Siege. Um, it's still pretty squishy relative to other classes, so that wasn't going to change. But in 1v1, where you can protect protect yourself, iframe, dodge specific attacks, and, and block at the right time, um, it's still really good. Now, now it feels a little bit more like it has to kite and use the, the trap a lot more than before. It could be pretty aggressive. Because it had a lot of super armor, but um, so that I mean, at least for me, I, I feel like Tamer is kind of the same as it used to be. And then land like land lawn, um, I don't know. It it's hard in one v one for a lot of classes like striker and mystic, and even like berserker or warrior that plays really close to their opponent because of that ranged grab. So you have to use any any class really that has to be melee for a significant amount of time. I do think struggles in a 1v1 against the land just because when that grab comes off, it happens so fast and you're not necessarily right next to them. You're like trying to get close or you got close, they iframed or super armor dashed backwards or sideways and then grab you. So I don't know, in 1v1, I, I do think it is really good. Um, but as to your point, Rezler, like the gear, the lower geared ones aren't aren't killing anybody. Like Lance damage isn't really crazy until you get to like <laughs> I know like it's the the joke starts getting good around like two ninety AP. But in all seriousness, like around two sixty five, two sixty nine, you can't make a mistake against a land anymore. Whereas you can before that. Like even at soft cap, land has a hard time unless they get a down smash of killing you in one combo. Um, especially with desync factored in, so I don't know. That that's just my opinion on those two. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing I did want to say because we do need to move on to the next topic here. It is quite late, and I need to get back to getting drunk around a bonfire with my friends. Uh, before we move on to the last topic, the last thing I did want to talk about the BSL is uh the two v two tournaments. Uh. What sort of teams are you hoping to see, Doctor Positive? What what sort of like? I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot of people that you've seen before fight that are going to be coming together for the two v two. What are you kind of hoping that you're going to see or like looking forward to that you already know is signed up? Oh man, so much. I see a lot of familiar faces that are poking their noses around the BSL. I've heard rumors that a Masilus and Cooler will be making an appearance again. Oh Jesus! <laughs> to to run it back again. Uh, I am personally very interested to see how people use Archer. I think Archer is going to be a really interesting tool in uh, 2v2 and 3v3, like, depending on how you pair it up. Because I think that if you put Archer with a really disruptive frontline tank, right, like a DP striker or DP uh, even warrior maybe berserker like a big resilient meatball in front when that can buy the archer enough space to just back up and wail on people i think that'll be a really effective uh 
strategy. And the reason I think that is because that's exactly what uh, FTP or FXP did in the second season of the BSL. He paired up with a Berserker Acepring, and he played frontline Mystic while Acepring popped his Q buff and played the equivalent of a backline Archer, right? Just spamming Flame Busters for ranged DPS. And the technique kind of got them all the way to the grand championship they were the grand finalists of the second season of the bsl and they're back again by the way they're they've signed themselves up together for season three so i'm excited to see like what kind of comps develop around archer and how people have like now had a month to figure out how these trial characters work the kinds of compositions people will be playing around based on the way different classes work at different gear breakpoints. So. There's going to be a lot to unpack. There's going to be a lot to talk about from analysis and from casting, and I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm very positive and excited about it. Oh, yeah. I think most exciting is this team called the Value Pack. It's going to be really interesting to see <laughs> uh, what they turn out to be like. See them go out in the first round due to lack of practice. Hell yeah, brother. Let's do it. Uh, fun fact, I probably will be playing the tournament from this location oh, because God. my we're, internet is we're, dog shit. We're and screwed. My cousin... My oh, cousin no. has a really good internet. Wait, so no. I'm... I was relying on your desync from your home. I ne- oh, is that what? Yeah, I need you to waste their CCs, dude. And they blow we're their cooldown. We're around the desync, brother. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if only I could control it, then maybe. Um, all right, we got one more thing that we're going to talk about. We're going to kind of move away from PvP a little bit because something very interesting dropped just a couple of days ago. Frosty, why don't you go ahead and lay it out? Yeah, so um, we got our patch on Wednesday uh, per usual, and then they dropped this 2019 quarter two roadmap uh, of upcoming updates that are coming. And uh, one of the things that I want to clear the air for people that don't know Q2, because I think a lot of people are like, well, Q2 could mean the second half of the year for Pearl Abyss, like who knows when they get their money and that I think they would specify fiscal Q2. So it's just 2019 Q2, which ends at the end of June, uh, which is the sixth month, the second quarter of 2019. So yeah, starting off the Doom Horse, uh, which actually comes out next patch, they announced in a separate post. So we're going to get Doom, the Dream Horse next patch is that Fire Horse has triple instant excel. Um, after that, we're going to get the Underwater Ruins, which is the Underwater Grind Spots um, that are kind of like north of, what is it, Calfion, basically? North of Calfion, east of Pirate Island. Uh, under- no, I think, it's, I think it's above, I think it's like north in between Olvia and Velia somewhere. Oh, okay, is it that far? Okay. I think so. Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, you might be right. It's it's somewhere in the water, but you basically take your boat out, you go underwater, you hop into these grind spots, and there's three separate ones for three different gear scores, which we desperately need some of these. The Underwater Ruins is going to bring with it the Tungrad Ring, which adds the Black Spirit Rage for the ring slot, and also has one additional base AP over Crescent Rings, which will help relieve some of the congestion at Histria, because there are everyone on the server is grinding at Histria right now, so it sucks. After that, we're getting Star's End, um, which is the Black Star area, the Black Star weapon, and 
a new grind spot there. And then a new <laughs> a new group PvE experience. I don't mean to laugh, but I'm just imagining we're going to get Savage Rift 2.0. I'm excited. I don't know. <laughs> we're going to get Savage Rift 2.0. I feel it deep in my heart. I know it. It's like going to be Savage Rift, but we don't have to use muskets. We get to just use cannons. It's going to be great. Dude, I'm going to say the same thing that I said uh, last time we were talking about this, Frosty. If they just made Savage Rift where you can use your weapons and not have to use a fucking musket, it would actually be decent. I know. Like, it it would actually be at least kind of fun. Just let us use our weapons. All right, what's your hot take? What's happening? Now, all right, my, my theory uh -huh. on what this new group PvP experience is, if you look at the right. picture, you've got... Red, red nose, nose and you've got, and you got big, big right okay standing off into the distance in what appears to be a field of poppies or something like that a field of grass and little flies i think they're going to re-release shadow arena except without the pvp you can only kill the bosses it's technically group pvp pve experience they don't have to make anything so new. Shadow Arena? It's a good way to d disappoint everybody. I mean, that's very possible. <laughs> I like it. Wait, so so you <laughs> does it start off like a battle royale? So you, you launch into the sky as the little black ball, you find a class, and then you're just hunting by yourself or with a group of three <laughs> these individual bosses? Yep, and you gotta find your gear and you'll fight the bosses and then you kill them and something happens. I like but it. I love it. That's my theory. I thought it was going to be you were going to be able to raise and breed Beg and Red Nose. Or what pet if we Beg and Pet Red Nose? Yeah, like what if we breed a child? What if we breed the child of both of them? That'd be hot. Beg Nose? <laughs> yeah, Beg, Beg Nose. nose. Yeah, um, I I have red no dastard. idea. So the, that's supposed to be Ordolita, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So, if I remember correctly, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it, it might not be. But if it is Ordolita, when they first announced Ordolita, the new area like that's somewhat near Calfion. Sorry for my mic. my cable got stuck. Um, it's supposed to be like a uh, raid in air quotes, right? But with like ten people or five or something like that. I I don't. Who knows? I don't know. It's interesting to think about how they'll execute on something like that, right? Because this, like, BDO is not built for raid content. Like, the engine itself just doesn't handle big bosses very well. Like, look at Karanda every time they try to kill it, right? right. Your game lags to death, and, like, it's hard to see, like, indicators and boss mechanics are weird. Big boss fights in BDO don't have, like, the best relationship with one another, so I'm curious to see if they'll try to attempt something like a raid, like an actual instanced raid, a la World of Warcraft. Yeah, I, I think with somewhere between 5 and 10 people, maybe 15, it, it'd be manageable, right? Like, uh, the Volterra thing was kind of cool. Kind of. I feel like the rewards weren't great, but it was still was kind of fun. The first few times, if you guys ever did Volterra or Advanced Volterra training. Yeah, Volterra training was fun. And I think that you can kind of execute on that idea in a lot of ways. And it makes me wonder about 
whether or not you'll see kind of like the same holy trinity of classes emerge for these raids if they're actually difficult right in every other mmo ever you have your tank your healer and your dps but in bdo it that trinity doesn't really exist so i wonder how that will work you know because like boss aggro isn't really a thing either right so there's just like there are so many mechanics that would need to be kind of looked at again i think if a raid was going to exist in in the way that raids have existed previously but who knows if pearl this will try something kind of innovative with it so <clears throat> some of the some of the footnotes here they have a, a, underneath the four fancy pictures well at the very end they have more to be announced with question mark and then they have updates and events that's good mark <laughs> yeah then yeah. they have updates uh, and events go ahead Rezar. Well, I was just gonna say I, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news or to uh, cut things short, and I know people are are very sad when I say things like that. But I do believe this headset is about to die because it beeped very aggressively at me. Uh, so and I don't know how to charge this thing, and <laughs> the person that knows how to charge this thing, I believe, is currently asleep. All right. So that being said, let's rush through these really, right. really quick. I want to get y'all's hot takes on these things. Got Medea it. Medea Quest Renewal. Frosty, what do you think? We'll rife it through. Medea Quest Renewal, I have no idea what that means. I'm going to move on straight to Great Marnie Stone. I think that part's kind of cool. I think you kill a certain number of mobs in a specific area, and you get an accessory box maybe related to that area. So if we get that, that'll be cool. Uh, Garmoth's Chase is going to be like the Christmas event where Santa Claus flies around and drops a present, except it's Garmoth and he's probably going to drop us Garmoth scales, which are valueless. And then life skill updates. Uh, we're going to get the Manos gear for everything, which is exciting and already affecting our current market because black, uh, black magic crystals have gone up in price. And, and the the manos gear means absolutely nothing to us three. That's here, not but true. It's a very big Doctor deal Positive for is a life skill. Doctor Positive is a life skiller. <laughs> for those uh, absolutely, for... That's, that's that's why I'm so good at casting PvP is because all I do is pick like pumpkins all day. <laughs> yes, like, he does. <gasps> he's not a good pumpkins. life skiller, but man, is he a life skiller, dude? He's just oh, farming no. pumpkins. It beeped at me even more aggressively. I'm scared. Uh, for anyone who wasn't in the Discord call when we started this, aka everybody aside from us three, literally the one of the first things Dr. Positive says is, just so you're aware, the only thing I cannot weigh in on basically at all is life-skilling, because I don't do that. <laughs> no, Dr. Positive's really oh, excited I, for Manos yeah. here. I know it. So excited. <laughs> I trigger people so hard with the way that my like nodes are laid out. There's no rhyme or reason to them at all. I just when I started playing, picked the ones that had cool names. I have don't think I've used them for anything. Well, oh, here's the thing with the life skill stuff is they require sharps to enhance the life skill uh, tools such as pickaxe, the hoe, the I don't even know if there's a fishing rod, but the the blood sucker thing, all that stuff requires sharps and there's also outfits which either require hearts or they work like accessories but i'm pretty sure they require hearts so sharps and hearts will go up in price there you go so now when you gather you'll be able to sell for max price yeah which should affect the market a little bit that might be interesting to see honestly yeah and then the black star weapon is gonna I mean, the, the uber-rich people are going to waste all of their materials on that, and memory fragments and scrolls are going to go up in price, too. 
Oh no, it's beeping at me more frequently. Oh no, now. I'm you're running terrified. out of gas. All right, we can we can get I this closed a, out here. That that's about I'm it. I'm running out of gas. Um, they are supposed to have it all done by Q2. So the end of June, if Q2 is Q2, then we're supposed to have all of that stuff literally in the next two months. So yep. So that should be pretty exciting. A lot of content ahead of us. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I know everybody's going to complain that it's a little short. We spoiled them with one two-hour, almost three-hour long podcast with Laven, and now anything shorter than that, people are going to complain. Feels bad. But uh, thanks a lot, Dr. Positive, for coming on and, and talking with us. Um, typically, I would ask the our guests to have some PvP with us, but I am not home, nor am I sober. So I thought what might be appropriate instead was to ask you, and I know you you asked me if you needed to prepare anything, and I said no, and now I'm just going to drop ah. this on you out of nowhere. Um, Sweet, I'm ready. <laughs> what it, what was, what do you think was the most memorable slash your favorite fight from the BSL Season 3 Week 1? And I'll play that instead of Fights Between Us 2. Season 3 Week 1? Oh, man. Yeah. Honestly, if we show... The Slim versus Transit 1v1, the grand final, I think it would be interesting to give context. Just forgive Reslar and myself for our less than enthusiastic casting endeavors there, but I think that for people to watch that fight and see what that gameplay looks like at the like the highest level there possibly can be of Sork v Sork, that would be the one I'd say is the most memorable for me. Absolutely. I, I, I definitely think I agree. So I'll slap those in for people who weren't able to watch that uh, here in a second. So obviously, once again, if you are listening through a podcasting app, just skip forward about maybe three to five minutes, probably, and because uh, it's just going to be music for a little bit. But I'll slap those in right now. Hey guys, what's up? Rizlar from the future here. Uh, obviously back home and recording back uh, normally. Uh, I went to look for the fight that Dr. Positive was talking about from week one, but unfortunately the uh, VOD from the very first week of the BSL has been deleted, so I actually can't show that fight. And uh, I can only find little bits and pieces of it. I kind of skimmed through the clips. Uh, I was thinking maybe if I can find enough clips of, you know, some good moments of the fight, I can kind of put those moments together, but I can only find a, a couple. So uh, I thought instead uh, what I can do, uh, I can show the grand finals of this uh, past week, week uh, four of flight one or day four, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, and it was the grand finals of the super week between Vangertz and Mamo. It was a very, very interesting fight to watch. Very, very cool. Uh, warrior versus Tamer. A very good Warrior versus a very good Tamer. So, unfortunately, I can't show what Dr. Positive wanted me to show. But I can show this, which I think is uh, a very, very good match as well. So, uh, do enjoy. A bunch of world losses responding right now, too. So, the world itself is cheering for our competitors. Vanguard's pops his e-buff right off the bat here, threatening Mamo with pressure. He's just charging him straight down. Mamo has to back up. Vanguard's does not want to run into a tamer trap, but it's off to the side. Vanguard's can't quite find an inroad here. He can't get a grab onto Mamo. He's just pressuring him down, and Mamo's kiting back relentlessly. Vanguard's has not been CC'd yet, though. He still has a couple more seconds left in this e-buff. Let's take a look and see. He's taking so much damage for this aggression, too. His plan at first is just pop his E and run in there. It's going to run out right about now, though. That execution buff is gone, so he could not get anything done. Mamo beautifully executing the disengage there. And he's the one that gets the grab on, a on the Vanguards and forces Vanguards' B. Look at that playstyle. Mamo so 
good at disengaging. All right, let's take a look and see how Mamo's going to decide to use this. Sets up a Void Lightning. No, he doesn't. I thought he was going to go for it right there, but he can't quite get it. And Mangertz is the one that forces Mamo's being knocks down Highlang for his trouble, too. Both players now without that cooldown. So who's it going to be? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. As we have a Brawl going in here, and it looks like Vanguard is the one that might actually get this kill. Mamo's so low. He went down to 6% HP and is able to pop back up. I thought Vanguard was going to get that kill, but it's not going to be Vanguard's. As he goes in for the Slash of the Dead. Can't quite get it, though. He's going to try to find something. It's nothing just yet. Ooh, goes in for the uh, Suicide Ball. No, not Suicide. I'm slashing the dead, but he actually gets grabbed out of that cooldown. Mamo with the Sticky Fingers himself, able to take this first win with 13 seconds remaining. All right, forward, let's take a look and see who's going to take it. Vanguards does nug Mamo with a Dark Spear there. But Mamo's the one that gets the grab here. Vanguards is definitely going to have to be out of this. No, it's not. Look at those absolute cast iron testes on Vanguards. Not worried about the Tamer's Burst. We've seen him demonstrate those earlier today. Still, just so, so brave in the face of all that damage. Alright, let's take a look and see if he can find another CC. Or if it's going to be Vanguard that gets some tempo. It is Vanguard that gets the grab on him. Amo here puts so much damage, gets the lift, but gets stiffened out of his combo. Tragedy strikes Highlang playing spoiler to Vanguard's. Mamo doesn't even have to V. Let's see if he can get a second one here as he does, in fact, force the V finally with another Solar Flare and a Slash of the Dead. Vanguard saying that I've got the tempo advantage this time. Alright, let's take a look and see if he can find anything. Whips that grab is going to be up again in a little bit, so never fear for Vanguard's. 40 seconds are inching their way closer here as he gets a CC onto Mamo. He gets the lift. It's going to be the kill for Vanguard's. You have to believe it. Mamo goes down. He's pinned into the corner. Vanguard says it's not Tamer time. Doesn't look like anything just yet. Pops that e-buff. It's back up again. These matches have been so long that Vanguard's has that executioner cooldown again. He's going to be super speed. Kayo can Vanguard's. Can't quite. Yes, he does. He kills him. He's gone. He's destroyed. Vanguard's. Unreal play from this guy. He's nuts. Every single time we see Vanguard's play, he pulls these things out of nowhere. And he goes in for yet another one. He's trying to find something. Mamo does not want to go down again. Let's see if he can find a way to do it, though. Nothing just yet here. As he actually walks straight into a Tamer Trap, he gets punched down and has to V out. That was certain doom. If he laid on the ground there, he had not even used his resonance yet. So Mamo threatening the one shot forces the V out of Vanguard's. Uh, let's take a look. Look at that! Sticky fingers coming out of Vanguard's there, but Mamo actually iframes out of that grab, too. So Vanguard's is actually going to stay very close to him, but he gets CC'd here. Vanguard's does not have access to his V, and it's Mamo that reverses the situation. Two wins to two. Alright, moving forward here. Vanguard's is trying to find a way to skirt around the side of Mamo's damage. Hits Highlang with the Dark Spirit. Not going to stun that guy. You can knock down Highlang. He was right into the Tamer Trap there. That's really not what you want. But Mamo decides not to take advantage of that. The slow swap, just to really think about that. Don't want to just, like, dash straight into a Tamer Trap. It's not ideal. 
Oh, let's take a look at that, though. Vanguard is on the ground here. Mamo's laying into him. Vanguard has to link away at 23% HP. Mamo with the tempo advantage here in match number five. So Vanguard's gonna have to kite back away, heal himself back up. He should be no more worse for the wear once the 80% HP take does come through. Does get the grab again, though. Mamo saying it's my hands that are stickier right now. I think it's still going to be down. No, he does have access to it. He pops it right away. That Executioner is live and ticking. We saw what he did to Mamo with it last time. Let's see if he can do it again. But he gets grabbed right at the outset. He's going to have to be out of this. No, he stands his ground again. Uses that boldness, but possibly a little too bold. V's away at 7% HP. That V is also going to consume the remaining tick of that cooldown for Executioner. So Vanguard is going to have to play on the back foot here. Let's see if he can find any sort of inroad. He wants to find something. Tosses that Dark Spear in. Can't quite get the CC. Wants to find an inroad. He wants to find some sort of angle, but he gets CC'd out of his grab animation by the Tamer Trap. That last second of it uses Grave Digging to buy himself some space. Goes in with the Solar Flare, but he gets grabbed out of it. This might be it for Vanguard. It's so close, and it's... No, he's alive! He stays alive with 1% HP, and he gets back up. He's not dead yet. Vanguard stays in it. It is so, so close. Vanguard tries to get in, tries to find engagement. He gets the grab onto Mamo and forces Mamo's V. What a ridiculous turnaround coming out of this guy. Now the fight takes a deep breath. Both players are going to be able to heal back up. Vanguard goes in with the Solar Flare, tries to find anything he possibly can. It's not going to be there, though. No grab coming out of Vanguard just yet. Tosses out that Stark Spear to try to find anything. Goes in with the Solar Flare, does not get the grab. He gets stiffened out of it. Mamo can't capitalize on the CC, though. Vanguard goes in there with the Slash of the Dead, but he gets grabbed once again. There's no way he survives this one. He cannot. That was a miracle survival the first time. But it's Mamo that reverses the story, takes the win, pushes himself to 35 circuit points, takes that grand prize pool of 10,000 circuit points for flight number one. What a fantastic showing from both of these players. Vanguard cannot be disappointed with himself from that show. Takes 10 CP for himself, pushes him up there for the grand finals. What a ridiculous ridiculous wow weren't those fights amazing uh you could definitely tell that we were very very exhausted we weren't doing the fight justice in all honesty i do feel a little bad about that but nevertheless the fight was quite incredible uh once again dr positive thank you so much for coming on and, and talking with us today uh do you want to tell the people where they can find you in, in your endeavors at Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, thank you guys first and foremost for having me and for being such stalwart fans of the BSL for as long as you have. If you guys want to check out, any of the listeners here want to check out what the BSL is, you can find us at twitch.tv slash BDO esports, BDO underscore esports. And we li we're live with the BSL on Fridays and Saturdays, Friday for Europe and Saturday for North America. And uh, you can go to that channel, hit exclamation point discord in that chat, even if the stream is off and get a link to our community if you want to join the BSL yourself. Yeah, so if you want to find Dr. Positive at the BDO Esports Twitch page or his Discord, uh, I will provide links for both the Twitch page and the Discord down in the description below in this video. So that way you guys can just go down there and click to uh, find out more. You can go back and watch the VODs from the uh, Flight 1, uh, the entirety of Flight 1. Go back and watch me and Dr. Positive doing uh, Week 1 EU. And then I think I came back for Week 3 in A, or Week 2 in A. I don't remember. I think it was week three, I think, is when you were back again. Yeah, week three in A. I did those with Dr. Positive. He was gracious enough to allow me to come on. Uh, that being said, thanks again, Dr. Positive, for coming on. And uh, we'll wrap it up here. Frosty, you got anything you want to say to the peoples? Leave a comment on the YouTube uh, so we can reply. Um, we have a couple of cool discussions going on in the Discord. One by uh, iTex that I do want to go over a fancy spreadsheet. So um, 
yeah, some yep. of your ideas we'll take into consideration. Just post them in the discussion or in general or whatever in the in the value pack Discord. Leave a comment. We love replying to that stuff. Make sure you upvote us on Reddit. We'll have a Reddit post. Um, make sure you like the YouTube video and share it. Tell your friends, whatever. Spread the word. All that good stuff. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I text. I uh, know you're listening. We definitely will get to that chart probably next week. Uh, I'm still trying to do an every other week a guest thing. So next week it's just going to be me and Frosty and we'll probably go over it there. Um, because I know me and Frosty find it interesting it's offensive maybe for it's different offensive. reasons you're not gonna like it's it offensive. i text if you want to redact that <laughs> us going over that chart you better speak up <laughs> but anyway guys i want to thank you guys so much for watching this podcast with us hanging out with us and just having a good time uh i want to apologize again for my voice sounding a little weird and possibly me sounding a little not too sober i feel like i've sobered up over the course of us talking here even though i've been drinking this whole time interestingly enough uh maybe you disagree who knows but again, just wanted to thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, um, keeping the conversation going. Make sure to join the Discord. Make sure to leave a comment and uh, share with everybody that you know. I think, uh, again, I know I, I repeat this like a broken record, but I think people enjoy listening to discussion about BDO more than they know, especially when they're out there grinding for six hours a day. It's interesting to hear just people talk about the game and not in a particularly hateful way although i do cover that sometimes but anyway guys thanks again so much for watching and we will see you guys next week and uh yeah have a good one everybody Here I'll stay and we'll